0: Let's go and open in prayer as we get ready to open the word. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your word, that you teach us what you would have us to know in each area of our lives and that you have a purpose in our life and that you desire for us to follow you. Help us to see that as we look at your word, your spirit guiding us in your son's name. Amen. Philippians chapter 3, starting to verse 17, which we covered last week and through the end of the chapter. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them that walk so as you have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body and it that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working thereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. So last week we were talking about how Paul was telling people follow him as he followed Christ and we're to be following somebody even in ourselves. We look to people who we can follow as an example and that we should be examples to somebody. And Paul goes on to say, and this is an interesting thing, he goes, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping. This is kind of scary, the word many. You know, Jesus, this, Jesus said that many in that day will say, Lord, Lord, didn't I? And he lists all kinds of religious things and he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. To me, that's probably the scariest verse in all the scriptures. And this is why Paul tells us, examine ourselves to see that you're in the faith. You know, that I actually have a relationship with God That keeps me because Christianity is not a set of rules that say do this, do this, do this, do this, and you're going to be okay. Those are easy for people to follow to a degree other than trying to follow rules. (laughs) But, you know, a lot of people have that. Here's my checklist. I read my Bible this morning. Check. I prayed to God this morning for at least three minutes. Check. Uh, I, you know, uh, didn't swear you God's name in vain this today. Check. I uh, didn't have any bad thoughts. Well, maybe, maybe not this week, <laughs> this day. You know, and we work our way down our checklist and say, "Ah, well, I'm a d- pretty good Christian today. God, God must really like me." You know, it's all the relationship. For by grace are we saved through faith. It is grace, no matter how bad we are or how good we think we are. It's all by grace. But it is a walk with God, and He says here many walk and he says he tells you often and now he's telling you in weeping have you ever had your heart broken when you look at somebody whose life is so far from God and you're just weeping that it appears that they're not walking with God they may claim to they may even be nice people I have met some really nice people give you their shirt off the back and just about everything they own who don't know Jesus and if you were to talk to them, they'll think they're going to heaven because of all the good things that they're doing. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And it's important that we understand it. he is the only way. Not my good works, not the good things I do, not the bad things I do. Keep me out. It's what he has done. And it says here, he goes, many are going to be like that. And he says, I'm in tears because of that. I'm in tears for them because of where they're going, but I'm also in tears for what they're doing to the, his church that he's writing to. I've seen this happen where somebody comes in with bad doctrine, you know, and bad, bad doctrine, and they come in and they can tear apart a church real quick. They go in and they, they'll pull scriptures out of context, maybe not even use scripture at all. Uh, you know, use scripture and teach a whole bunch of legalism. You know, you must do all these things or you're not going to heaven. It's all by grace. Now, the good news is, and we'll get to this, is when he comes into us, he changes us, and we start becoming more like him, and we start following his word as he changes who we are. But it's not us that makes the changes that please him. It's him changing us. He goes in and he says, they are the enemies of the cross. Enemies of the cross. How many times have you met somebody who's an enemy of the cross? (laughs) Jesus told the disciples, if they're not for us, They're against us. Met lots of people over my lifetime that are really enemies of the cross, especially when I was going to college. (laughs) I met lots of enemies of the cross there. They were adamantly opposed to anything to do with God and the word. Sad thing is when people are sitting in a church and they're an enemy of the cross, not believing in grace, not trusting in God's grace. You've probably been there and seen people like that or even seen teachers or a pastor unfortunately can be like that. All about God's law and and judgment and everything. Not about grace. Jesus paid the price for our sin. That's the good news. When you're sharing the gospel with people, that's the good news. You're a sinner, you deserve to go to hell. But Jesus, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. He came, he paid the price and he held out a gift saying, I've paid it. I've paid a debt that you can't pay. We all owed a debt that we couldn't pay. It would be like having a a quadrillion dollar debt. No country, not all the countries in the world could pay that debt. And Jesus came along and said, here, I have paid your debt. You couldn't pay it, I paid it for you. Well no, no, thank you. I'll I'll eventually get it paid, God. I don't want I don't want your gift. Yeah, how many times have you talked to somebody and that's really what they've said? God, I don't I don't want that gift. I'll figure I'll figure out how to pay it off. Well, you're not gonna pay it off in two or three lifetimes if every cent you gave uh, God went to it. And God says, It's yours. It's yours and He says they're enemies of the cross. And what do these enemies of the cross look like? In verse uh, 19, whose end is destruction. They're headed for hell because they're trusting in their works. The rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, good master, what must I do to be saved? Jesus' answer was, why do you call me good? There's only one good. He says, are you calling me, basically he's saying, are you calling me God? Now, it's one of those statements that when you look at it, he's saying, are you calling me God? Because there's only one person who's good and that's God. And he's just dropped that he didn't leave it didn't pursue that And he goes well this is what you do you know you, you don't uh, use God's name in vain you, you know you named a bunch of the commandments and the, and the guy was very arrogant he says I've kept all those commandments since my birth you know, kind of interesting you know how many people have never lied in their lifetime you now how many people have never stolen anything in all of their lifetime you know, Most kids have stolen something and a good parent makes them go back and give it, give it back or pay for it. Okay. Uh, Most everybody, including Christians, have used God's name in vain, especially when you take it in vain, not just as a curse word. You know, using God's name in vain is using it lightly without respect to God. Our teens use it in respect in that way and young people use it all the time that way. They'll write OMG. Oh my God. And they are not thinking and praying about God. They are using his name in vain. How many times have we said, you know, good news and oh God, and we're not really praying to God. We're just filling in an explanation. That's using his name in vain. You know, This young man says, hey, I've done all those things. <laughs> and Jesus still didn't contradict him. He says, one more thing you have to do. Go sell all that you have and follow me. Give to the poor and follow me. What was he trying to prove? There's people who make whole things that there can't be, you can't be rich and be Christian. No, that's not what Jesus was talking about. He was following the Ten Commandments saying, go get rid of your God and follow me. And the answer was, he went away sad because he had great wealth. God was trying, Jesus was trying to show him, you, you're not even following the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. And you're telling me you followed all the rest of them. The end is destruction. The wages of sin is death. He says, whose God is their belly. Now we think this, you know, he is not talking about gluttony in this particular statement. It comes out that it is whose God is the seat of their emotions and thoughts. How many people do you know that everything is determined by what they feel? I just feel like this is a good thing to do, so I'm going to go do it. You know how many people I have talked to over the years who are saying, well, I just feel that this is a good thing to do and that God will bless you. And I go, well, it contradicts these verses. It's not good. Well, I just feel like it is. Whose God is their belly. I feel, I want, I think. Not what does God say, but what do I feel? You know, how often do your feelings lie to you? Almost 100% of the time almost 100% of the time God I just don't feel forgiven by you and God saying so what (laughs) you don't feel forgiven so what I have forgiven you doesn't matter whether you feel forgiven or not if you're his child he's forgiven you God I just don't feel like you're gonna think that, feel like you'll give me the power to get over this uh, thing that you're asking me to do God says go do it God I'm afraid to go witness I might look like a fool and God says so what? Go do it. I told you to do it. We do so much from the god of our belly. God, I just don't think I should do this or I feel I should do this. God, I know that you say that you know, adultery is wrong, but I just really like this person really well and I think I think a one night fling would be okay. You know, god of their belly. Doing what they want to do rather than what God says. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to do what God says. But God says their belly. And their glory is their shame. Do you know anybody whose glory is their shame? They revel in their sin. You know, they, you know, if you've been around uh, some of the guys like I'm around at the prison, you know, they glory in, in what they, in the sin that put them in the, in, the, in the prison. Some of them, not all of them, but some of them, you know. I had one guy who was really uh, excited about how he stole from everybody and, and everything and mad at the person who turned him in. <laughs> you know, glorying in his sin. Glorying in his shame. People who break up homes, you know, the, the person who goes into a, a marriage and seduces the, one, the other spouse away from the marriage and will glory in, well, oh, I'm not married to them. We're, you know, it's okay. We see this frequently. You know, we'll see it in, I got away with this. You know, you know. I did this and I never got caught. glorying in their shame. You know, it sounds strange to us as Christians when we're Christians because we're going, God is convicting us of sin. I don't even want to be sinning. And when I do sin, I get so convicted, I've got to go confess it and not, and not want anybody to know. The world glories in it. I hear some of the really strange conversations in the lunchroom at the at the prison there. People talking about their latest conquest, their latest activity that ni- the night before, uh, their sinful lifestyle the night before, and bragging about the sin. Glorying in their sin, lifting it up, <laughs> making it sound really good. God calls sin a sin. And we need to be looking at that and saying, God, help me to ask for your forgiveness. Help me repent from this sin, whatever that sin might be. And it says, whose mind are on earthly things. Oh, how often is our mind on earthly things? <laughs> you know. God, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go out here and share the gospels. We walk past everybody that we see because we're afraid of looking a little silly. God, I just, you know, they might think I'm kind of weird and strange. Praise God, we are. (laughs) We don't believe in the things that this world believes in. We don't feel comfortable in this world. We should not, as Christians, feel comfortable in this world. Because our lifestyle should be different from the world. We should be looking to tell the truth, as Jesus says we're supposed to tell the truth. We're supposed to be able to have proper relationships with one another that edify, build up, not tear down and rip apart. How different is that? With the goal of building people up. Oh, I am so glad that you did this. I am so glad that God was able to do this for you and be genuinely glad. (laughs) Where the world goes, you know, nah, they'll try to tear you down. It wasn't as good. Have you ever done something good and had everybody tell you that it really wasn't that great a deal? You followed God and they're telling you it really wasn't that great? The world does that all the time to you. They glorify the sin and they tear down God's ways of doing things. When you share the gospel, they go, you can't talk that way. You can't, you can't, you can't be that dog you can't be that dogmatic and and limited. You know, there's, you know, you're saying that Jesus is the only way to heaven? What about? You know, list off All these other different religions sorry don't work Jesus said I am the way the truth and life no one comes to the Father except by me none of these other religions are going to do it if they truly want to follow God God will show himself to them you know how many if you're you're into the materials that I'm reading God is doing great things in the Middle East right now with Muslims he is appearing to them in visions telling them they need to follow him and then telling them what Christian to go talk to to get the whole truth. If, if there are truly somebody in a religion truly trying to find God, he'll make sure they find him. Even if he has to go there himself, he'll make sure that they find him if they truly want to find God and not just follow a set of rules. He'll make sure it happens. Missionaries, when you read these biographies, missionaries oftentimes would go to these people in the middle of nowhere and they're going, oh we've been waiting to hear the rest of the story. Thank you for coming. Somehow they had a picture of Jesus coming in and a vision of Jesus telling them how to get saved. And they want the rest of the story. God will do what it takes and will keep us focused on heavenly things because that's where Paul goes into on in verse 20. For our conversation is in heaven and this literally means commonwealth. Our residence is in heaven. Our mind should be on God's way of doing things. Our mind should be on heaven. Now, every once in a while, you hear somebody come up. well, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. There's no such thing as being too heavenly minded. Because if you are on, if your mind is focused on God in heaven, you will love the people on this world and you'll want to do whatever it takes to help them come to God. If your mind is completely focused on heaven, you'll want to help everybody. Why are there hospitals the way there are? Why are there orphanages? Why are there homeless kitchens and everything? It's not because of the other religions. It's because of Christianity. When Christianity started, if you got hurt in a battlefield and you could not do your job anymore, they just left you. Wherever you were at, they left you. And if you were far from home, that meant you had to find your own way home with no money and no protection. That's how much love they had for somebody who got injured. If you went into the hospital, if you could find a doctor, you were lucky to get any kind of real care. If you were a homeless child, your parents had died, you lived out on the street. And in most countries in, in the third world, they still live in the street with no orphanages, no hope. Christians started developing orphanages. Christians started caring for the homeless. Christians started caring for these different people groups. You know, if you're a Hindu, you wouldn't even help the poor because they're, they're getting what they deserve for their karma. They were bad in their previous life, they're getting what they deserve, don't help them. That's the Hindu mentality. When a Christian comes in and helps the poor in Italy, in India, It freaks them out because we're violating karma. And they know that in their mindset, the Christians are going to pay real dearly in the next life for helping somebody not get punished on this earth. Why is Christianity different? It's a relationship with God. He first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. And that love makes us love other people and lift them up. If you don't have love for other people, you need to say, God, I, I need more of you in me. Maybe you need to say, God, I need you. I need you in me. (laughs) Or at least you need more of him in you. Paul says our conversation, our life, our home is in heaven. from whence also, we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming back. (laughs) We look to heaven and he's coming back. Probably fairly soon. Now, I know that people will say, well, yeah, we've been saying that for 2,000 years. But you know what? We're a lot closer today than we were 2,000 years ago a lot closer to his return. When you open up the book of Revelation and you see the government's trying to form one world government the way they are currently, the way they're trying to form one currency as they are trying to do, as we see people doing what is right in their own eyes, just as God said it would be in the last days, it would be like the days of Noah with everyone doing what was right in their own eyes. We look at all these different things that are going on. We see Israel back in their their nation. And the scripture says that this generation shall not pass until he returns. All these things that we have in line that were predicted and, and prophesied, I don't know how close we are. I think it will be in my lifetime. If I'm wrong, it doesn't matter to me. I'm still looking to him and doing what he wants. But Paul thought it was going to be in his lifetime. Peter thought it was going to be in his lifetime. I'm in good company <laughs> for thinking that it's going to be in my lifetime. But I can look at the scriptures and say, I can really tell you that it's going to be soon. I don't think it's another 100, 200, 300 years away. It could be. How bad is the world gonna get if it goes that far? How bad is our world today? The evil that runs rampant in our streets. And we see God being lifted up in various corners. But also we see the, the anger and the bitterness. Do you realize that more people are being martyred in our days than all of history. In all of history. We are having hundreds of thousands of people martyred every year. Most of you don't hear about it because you're not reading the voice of the martyrs or listening to the Christian news and everything. The, the Coptic Christians in Egypt who got killed, 200 of them made big news because they put it on, the, they put it on YouTube. That was a small, small martyrdom as far as it goes. And I'm not belittling that martyrdom. I'm just saying that is a small number compared to what's going on, whole villages being destroyed anymore because they believe in Jesus. We live in a dangerous time for Christianity. Our world and in America is changing. It is becoming harder to be a Christian in America. People are looking at us and saying, how can you believe that archaic stuff or worse? We have businesses going out of businesses because they dare to take a stand on what they think God's word says and people are putting them out of business. It's going to get worse. It's going to come to a time when we are going to be in prison. We are going to die for our Christianity. Why do I say this? Because I want you to be ready. Being warned is to be ready. Be ready for it. Are you willing to take the stand for Christ? Start making that decision now, because the time to make your decision is not when you're facing the guillotine or the, however they're going to, the gas chamber, however they're going to execute us. That is not the time to be saying, well, God, do I trust you enough to die? You know, just when we were teaching teenagers, the time to make a decision on whether you're gonna have sex is not when you're in the backseat of the car, hugging and kissing. But you probably shouldn't have been in the backseat hugging and kissing in the first place, But that is also not the time to decide how far you're going to be going because your feelings are dominating you at that moment. Your decision had to be made before you got yourself in the situation. We need to say, God, how far, how much do I trust you? How much will I allow you to put me through? Are you willing to let God put you through all the way to death? I hope that I am at that position. I think I would be at that position. I believe that God would give me grace enough to go through it when it happens. But I'm making the decision, God give me the strength. I'm making my decision now that I'm going to stand for him. And it's hard sometimes to stand for him. It might even be easier if you're facing death to make that decision. How about if it's deny Jesus or lose your job? Uh, God, my job pays my bills, it pays my rent, it pays my, my car payment, it pays the utilities. I can't afford to lose my job. Might be a little harder, wouldn't it? Because now you've got to live through that decision of obeying God. Start thinking about these things. How strong are you going to be for God? When it comes down to losing something you think important for God, are you willing to do it? Or are you willing to just say, God, I'm going to turn around, it's not worth it. Can you be forgiven from it? Yes, you can. But, you know, there's going to be consequences. And we've said this over and over. Every time you sin, there's a consequence. Every time. And we, our thoughts need to be on heaven. And it says, Who shall change our vile bodies that it may be fashioned unto his glorious body according to the working thereby that he is able even to subdue all things to himself? God is changing us. This first one for change, who shall change our vile bodies, is a process of change. That's what we're going through. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, he declares us perfect. And we've talked about this. We are justified. He says, you are perfect. Then he spends the rest of our life sanctifying us, making us more like him. How does he do that? He keeps letting us get into positions where we have to make a choice of do, committing the sin or not committing the sin. You know, you know God lets you get into those places? You know, could he stop us from doing all that? Yeah, he could stop us. He could say, well, I'm going to stop your whole free will and you're going to do what you're supposed to do automatically. Then he'd have a whole bunch of robots running around, which is not what he's looking for. He wants us to make decisions to let him change us. And you know every time we do it you may think that when you're giving up that sin you're giving up something but how many times have you come through you've given up that you've given up what you thought were you wanted to do and all of a sudden you got to the other side of it and saying wow God you really do have a good blessing on this other side it's really been wonderful six months later you look back and say well I'm not doing that sin anymore <laughs> yeah, and I don't miss it you know, God has such a plan on the other side for us you know our ultimate reason for getting saved is heaven to go to heaven but you know, the wonderful life he gives us on this world is wonderful as well. He is in charge. He gives us peace. Doesn't mean nothing bad happens. Lots of bad things happen to us all the time. Driving down the road and your tire blows out and you almost go off the road. Not a good thing. There are all kinds of things you have to do. you got to buy a tire. You have to hope that you kept control of your car. Hopefully you didn't do damage to your car when the tire blew or tire uh, to your rim. You know, What's the good? Who knows, maybe you get to witness to a tow truck driver. Maybe you get to witness to a car, a tire salesman. If you have a really bad thing, maybe you're witnessing to a salesman. <laughs> you know, you know, God kept me on this, he kept me alive. The car is but I'm alive. <laughs> Who knows what it is that he's trying to let you do through having bad things happen. But you know, if you focus on him, you'll find out what he's, you eventually find out what it is that he's bringing your way. All things work together for good for those that called according to the purpose of God. Not some things, not most things, all things. When something bad happens to you, you, you know, you can do what I do. I go many times. I'll go, God. I don't understand why this is happening, but I'm gonna. I know it's for good, so I'm gonna just trust you. Yeah. You know, I don't know why my car is sitting. My second car is sitting in my driveway right now, but it's sitting in my, dri- <laughs> you know, in the driveway waiting to be fixed. You know, why? Who knows? God's got a reason. Yeah, maybe something else was going to go wrong with it. It is, it is 19 years old. It keeps having lots of little things go wrong. But you know, why does he let things happen to us? So that he gets glory. He gets lifted up. If Jesus is lifted up, he'll draw people to him. And God is going to change us. And it says the ultimate goal is to change him like his glorious body. When we die, when we get raptured, we will get a body just like his. Perfect. I am looking forward to the day when I have a perfect body. You know, whatever a perfect body means in heaven, I don't know, but I'm looking forward to the day. You know what I'm thinking most that I'm looking forward to, and I've said this before. I'm, look, I'm looking forward to the day that I don't forget the things he's taught me. You now, I have forgotten so much that I have learned over the years. I have forgotten things I learned last, the last month or two. It's terrible when I'm teaching and I can't remember somebody's name and I know that I'm supposed to know the name from the Bible. You know, I'm terrible when I got to be retaught a lesson that I was supposed to have remembered from, from a previous lesson. I am looking forward to the day when I don't have to relearn any of the lessons. They're going to be stuck there and not forgotten. I don't know about you, but that's my, I don't care much about anything else. I'm looking forward to the day that I don't have to relearn. And there it says, who according to his work, is, he is able to subdue all things unto himself. Subdue is the word, hupotasso, it means to arrange under. It's the same thing as submit. He's gonna put the whole world under his authority. Everything will say, bow down to him and say, Lord. Satan at the white throne judgment will bow down to God and say, call him Lord before he's cast into hell. Everything, everyone will bow down and declare that he is Lord. Some of us willingly and happily, because he is our Lord now. Some will have it enforced upon them because they rejected him. But he has the power to make it happen and will make it happen at the white throne judgment if not before then. You can do it voluntarily and say, Lord, I am just happy that you are my Lord and bow down voluntarily. Many millions, billions, trillions are going to be forced to bow down and declare he is Lord. Lucifer and the demons will be forced to bow down and call him Lord before they're cast into hell. He will have what he says he's going to have. And he will have what he says is correct. You can do it voluntarily or non-voluntarily. And we're going to close in prayer here. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for how much you love and care for us. Lord, if there's anybody listening on this message at any point in time that doesn't know you, we ask that they will admit that they're a sinner, that they will acknowledge that they need you and turn to you, repent of their sins, ask for forgiveness and turn to you and make you Lord, fully trusting in you. Lord, if there's anybody here who is a Christian that needs to fully trust in you, we ask that they will also just pray and ask you to give them power and strength to trust you more. And we just thank you for all that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen.